Rewind with Oisín Langan. Coming up, Paddy Mulligan on Ireland's last stand against Italy at Euro 2016. We'll also hear from Roy Keane. Ursula Jacob looks back on the hurling weekend. As well as all that, there's Mickey Hart and Terry Highland after Tyrone and Cavan's Ulster draw was quite dramatic. Also, former Galway centre-back Dermot Blake on if the tribesmen are back after their shock win over Mayo. First, though, it's Shane Lowry on the heartbreak of leading by four shots going into the final round of the US Open, only to lose out by three to Dustin Johnson. Really feel like I let it go today. Um, very disappointed at the minute. You know, the more even the more I think about it, the more upset I'm getting. Um, it's, you know, one of those is going to be hard to take. It's going to be a tough few days. Uh, but, you know, I led by four shots in this tournament going into the final round. I was tied for the lead with five holes to play. Um, I'm definitely good enough to win one of these. Uh, so I'll get back in the horse in a couple of weeks and uh, back to Firestone in a few weeks and looking forward to defending there. And then obviously I've got the Open and the PGA this in the next few weeks or a couple of months as well. So, um, you know, exciting summer ahead. I've obviously got good form and, um, you know, looking forward to the next few weeks. But yeah, obviously this one's going to be quite hard to take. I can see it in your eyes. I thank you for your time. But one quick question. You say it's got a couple weeks off. Just step away from the game now and kind of evaluate what happened today. Or are you just going to go and completely forget about it as best you can? I wish I could. I've got a, co- a corporate day in Dublin tomorrow. So I'm playing golf again tomorrow, which is, uh, you know, that's going to be great fun. But um, <laughs> people talking to me about how, how I let the lead slip. Now, it was Johnson's first major title, but it was amid huge controversy on the course. He'd been told on the 12th tee that he may have picked up a one-stroke penalty because his ball moved while putting on the fifth. But he was informed that a video review would not take place until after his round. This caused outrage among fans and players and former Ryder Cup captain Paul McGinley, who was on duty for Sky Sports. This cannot happen again in the heat of competition in one of our premier golfing events in a worldwide audience of hundreds of millions. We can't have this kind of confusion in the heat of competition because sport thrives around competition and clarity of scoreboards. A lot more to come on that tonight from 7 on Off The Ball. That's Monday night. If you're listening, don't forget the golf podcast out later this week with Joe and Nathan. This is the Rewind on News Talk. Still to come, Dermot Blake on Galway and Ursula Jacob on the hurling weekend. As well as the qualifier draw, Cork against Dublin looks the most intriguing of the ties. First up, Paddy Mulligan joins us to talk about Wednesday's Euro 2016 clash with Italy. Paddy, we'll get to you in a second, but first, here is Roy Keane speaking today uh, about what they need to learn from the 3-0 defeat to Belgium last Saturday. I actually enjoy that in sport. I like that side of it where, you, you know, if you're not at your best, you get punished. That's the name of the game. And um, and we did the other day. But certainly, if we for a sloppy in possession against Italy, there's a good chance it's going to be the same result. We're up against quality players, and quality players will punish you. We'll, we'll be positive. You know, you can you can look back all you want, but you're talking to the wrong man. You know, we look forward, get ready for the next challenge. That's what sport's about. It's like a boxer. You've seen great boxers get knocked out. You get back up, you start swinging, and hope for the best. Paddy Mulligan is always joining us on a Monday. Paddy, and um, before we look ahead to the Italy game, let's look back on the Belgium game. Um, what are your reflections? Rocky Horror Show, and, and uh, unfortunately, uh, the quality of of player is not there um, and when you've got a situation in midfield where nobody really wants to get on the ball and dictate and try and dictate the trend of the game um, well you're, you're, you're in deep trouble for because for me 
the midfield is the, is the engine room and then when you, you don't have your full backs joining in on the play and you can always at least have, have one central defender making a break and, and, and supplementing uh, the midfield area and, and that just doesn't happen I mean uh, James McCarthy and, and uh, Glenn Whelan uh, yes they, they, they uh, Glenn Whelan especially does well in the defensive viewpoint but there's nothing to stop Glenn Whelan from getting on the ball and, and passing it and making himself available and there's nothing to stop James McCarthy from doing that no matter what role uh, Martin O'Neill might, might, might envisage for them but they don't, they don't do that they don't, they don't join in the play I mean uh, Witzel who, who, who got the head of goal when McCarthy just let, uh, let him go um, was primarily a, a, a defensive midfield player as well, but yet he he could make the yeah. break, and that's my very point that th- these players should be making a break, and 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 they're not doing that. Jeff Hendrick in in, in midfield uh, also, and then when James McLean comes on, he loses out to to, to the full back uh, in in a tackle which I I, I just could not believe, and then Kieran Clark just. Go, go, just goes completely missing. But James McCarthy is, is a real worry. Now they're trying to say that maybe James McCarthy is injured. Well, if he's injured, he shouldn't be playing. And if 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 if, if that's the case, because you know, four years ago in in in, in Poland, the same situation was developing that uh, Shea Given shouldn't have played when he when he, when he was injured. So we're back to the same scenario again. But it's a it was a, it was a sobering experience last Saturday because the the Belgians were technically were so just so far superior uh, to to the Irish team. That was absolutely frightening, yeah. and um, uh, they can talk, you can talk all about you like about Wes Hull and what he does here and what he does there. Wes will only do that against against mediocre teams, and and uh, when he came up against a bit of class and style on Saturday, I'm afraid he he was he was found wanting as well, and and he's, he's uh, he, he runs out of legs also, which is which is which is which is sad for him. Well, Keith Andrews told off the ball that Wes didn't shine as much against Belgium as he did against Sweden. Uh, he also raised the point about James McCarthy that maybe there aren't too many options. Look, we'll come back to that in a second, but can we still qualify? Martin O'Neill thinks we can. I think the most important thing is to, um, to reappraise it as quickly as possible, push it to the side and then go and, uh, and try and win a game. And I, I don't think that that'll be as difficult as, uh, as it's maybe looking from here. So Martin O'Neill thinks they can still do it. Paddy, what do you think? Italy coach uh, Conte has said that they will make changes, but even a changed Italy are a good Italy. Yes, a changed Italy. I mean, Conte doesn't want to. Conte is a winning manager, um, and and I've, I've no I've no doubt that he'll pick a team that will win on 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 Wednesday night. He'll pick players who are hungry, who want to who want to prove a point to the manager that I should be in the team. That if 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 uh, if anybody gets injured, I'm available. I'm ready for you, and I expect I expect Italy to go and beat Ireland um, on 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 Wednesday night because Ireland just uh, just aren't good enough. I watched Italy against Scotland there about uh, uh, two weeks ago in a, in a friendly game. They absolutely pulverised Scotland. And, and Scotland took uh, Ireland only got one point out of the two Scottish games, but since then Italy have gone and and, and, and beat Belgium and beat them and beat them quite comfortably as well, and, and uh, were absolutely excellent. And what Italy can do is they can pick a pass from midfield, they can get on the ball in midfield, they can play, they can keep possession, and the defenders defend as if their lives depended on it, and they win everything that should be win, and they don't give away stupid soft goals uh, 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 as Ireland do, and that's that, that's going to be the big difference. And I I, I can't see I I, I I just smile at people saying that that um, Italy will uh, won't be trying. Italy will be trying. As far no, they as will I'm be concerned. trying, but they will be much changed. So does that give us some hope in the fact that you no. have a team playing together who might be used to playing together? No, I don't. Can we take I, advantage. 
advantage at all of that? No, I don't believe so. Because first of all, I don't think I don't think that that even with all the changes that Italy would be would be uh, that less of a team, and also Ireland would have to play one million percent better than what they've done thus far, either against Sweden or or. Or, or, or against the Belgians to go and uh, get any sort of a, a, a result out of this game and I, I just can't see that happening I, I think it, it, it will win it OK you don't think we'll win that's clear but what changes should we make to give ourselves the best possible chance and it, it won't make any difference because all, all the quality of player is, is, is just not there come on you've yeah. been involved in enough teams to know that you don't always have to have the better players to win a football match no but it, 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 it's the collective uh, um, O'Shane that we don't have enough quality in our squad. Okay. That with changes being made, you're still going near enough like for like, or even less than like for like, and that's that. That's the big concern. What you need from 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 the Irish team that will be picked on, on on Wednesday night is eleven players who are totally uh, obsessed with winning the game and can and and. and uh, can go and, and play to the very, very best of their ability for ninety ninety four minutes, and somehow get a little bit lucky and and and, and get a and, and get a goal out of nothing, and and that's the, that's the situation. How, what how do we give ourselves on? the best chance of that? Do we put Darren Murphy up beside um, Shane Long? I'd be I'd be inclined to go a four four two and stick Darren Murphy up there in, in the hope that it, that it might upsettle uh, unsettle the Italians. Uh, whether or not he'll, he'll go and do that, I don't know. You probably you might give James McLean a run as well because Walters I don't believe Walters will be fit. I think Walters tournament is, is, is finished. Unfortunately for Jonathan Walters, you might give McLean a run. You know, you might keep you might give McLean a run on the right and keep and keep Brady over on the left and hope that Brady is uh, uh, plays better than it, than what he did. And I'm sorry though, everybody had a, had a bit of a nightmare last Saturday. And so so that's what you're hoping for. And then you're hoping that the Italians are somewhat off the pace. So it it you're relying on on another team to go and have an off day. I, mean, I just, I just can't see that happening. And we're too reliant on, on on the opposition, and it won't matter to me what changes Martin O'Neill uh, makes. The attitude is normally okay with the Irish team, yeah. but you know, th- there's a, such a distinct lack of quality, technical ability, the awareness of how to yeah. close out a game, when to pass the ball, when to close the game down. They, they just unfortunately they just don't know. Do you make any changes in defence? Does Shane Duffy come in because we know he can win balls in the opposition box? Either Shane Duffy, good on, yeah. good on set pieces. And to be honest. As honest as Clark is, he was caught once or twice on Saturday. So, are you really risking it that much if you put Duffy in for him? No, he was caught. He was caught against Sweden as well. He was very lucky against Sweden that he didn't sky the ball into the, into the roof of his own net as well, uh, uh, Clark. Uh, the, the, the unfortunate part about Clark is he's got absolutely no composure whatsoever. Yeah. I see it with, when he plays for Villa as well. He's just like 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 a bull in a china shop. He rushes in. There was no need for him to do half the stuff that he that, that he does. But however, he, he goes and does it. I wouldn't play him and I'd play I'd play either Duffy or Richard Kyo in there as as uh, as a central defender with John O'Shea. Uh, I'd probably go I'd probably go for Duffy to go to go in there and win everything in the air that has to be won. Get his tackles in and then yeah. and then take it from there. And Seamus Coleman and war, they need to be getting. They need to be getting forward an awful lot more now, whether they can or not, because the Italians are past masters at at, at lulling people into false uh, situations. Yeah. Has Martin O'Neill proved incorrect in his in-game management because he's brought on Aidan McGeady and Robbie Keane in both matches, and neither of them have really done much. I know that the team were swamped, and it's difficult to do anything when you don't have possession. But those seemed like strange calls. I think that uh, that, that Martin O'Neill has 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 erred uh, very much so, especially. In the Aidan McGeady situation, I wouldn't have had Aidan McGeady on the plane. Uh, I wouldn't have him in, in, in the in the squad, not in a million years. And unfortunately, 
Uh, Robbie Keane has been magnificent for Ireland, but unfortunately his best days are, are, are well behind him, and that's a sad part about it. Yeah. So if you wanted to bring Robbie Keane uh, as part of the uh, of the of the group, by all means. But um, un, un, unfortunately his, his his days are gone. And, and, and uh, thank you, Robbie, for for all the happy days in, yep. in the Irish years in the sixty-seven goals. Been magnificent. But maybe, but maybe he's not finished yet. Maybe he'll turn up on Wednesday and maybe maybe score something for us as well because he's the only one capable of, of going and doing something like that. And Do you start him? Not at all. No, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't start him. I'd be going. Dar- I'd be going. Daryl Murphy and and and, and Shane there. Long. Yes. Yeah. Do you give us any hope whatsoever? None. Okay. Just before I let you go. What about the possible knock-on effect to our World Cup qualification campaign, good or bad, from this tournament? Is that still a worry? Does that kind of depend on how we do against Italy? I mean, we can still lose this game, but have pride in our performance. If we give it everything and are beaten by Italy, you can't ask any more. No, no. If, 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 if you give everything that you've got and you're beaten by a better team... Look at, forget about it. you. Hold your hands up and say, "Look at, we were we're really done now today, and that's it, and there's no more." But you learn, you learn from that, and then you regroup and you go again. Now, about the World Cup, he's going to have, have somewhere. They're going to have to get an influx of of, of, of fresh players in as well, yeah. because it's, it's 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 just not happening now. As it transpired, Harry Arthur has been a, a, a big loss. Uh, just for instance, uh, not not make, not making the trip because of, because of, because of injury. Jonathan Walters has been a, a big loss, but that's only two players. We need far more than two players uh, in this in this Irish setup. And until that's a, until that's addressed, that situation is addressed. Well, then we're always going to be just the the minnows, if you like. Arthur would have actually made a massive difference now that you mention it and I haven't even thought about it I suppose out of sight out of mind look let's hope he's back for Ireland for the World Cup qualifiers he signed a new deal with Bournemouth uh, recently Paddy just before I let you go who do you think is going to win the Euros and why from what you've seen so far um, I went with Spain at the start I'm going to stay with Spain I think they've got the, the, the classiest outfit the Germans will not be far away even though they're not playing particularly well um, the French's host nation could, could make a fist of it um, the Belgians if the mood takes yeah. them but no, Spain, Spain for me. Paddy Mulligan, as always, thanks for joining us on The Rewind here on News Talk. A pleasure, Oshin. Thank you very much. And still to come, hurling. But first, the result of the weekend came on Saturday night as Galway beat Mayo 1-12 to 12 points in the Connacht semi-final in Castlebar. What made it really enjoyable for Galway people was the surprise nature of it. And I don't think anyone was more surprised or overjoyed than Galway Bay FM commentator Ollie Turner. Doing just once would be Tom Flynn is through, he's in on goal, can he have a shot? Flynn shoots, it's in the net! Tom Flynn hits the back of the net! The sides are level in Castlebar! And the Athen Ryman has rattled the net with a crushing low drive! What a fillip for Galway, out of absolutely nothing! Kevin Walsh, as a player, a minor All-Ireland winner with Galway in 86, a senior All-Ireland winner in 98 and 2001. But in his second years with Galway, when 52 players said they didn't want to play for Kevin Walsh, well, how many of that 52 are now looking at this game on the telly and saying, I cannot believe that Galway are in the Connacht final with the finest result since 2008. Galway have beaten Mayo in the Connacht semi-final by 1-12. The 12 points. And the bookies and everybody else in Ireland, the Sunday game panel and 99% of Galway shall hang their heads in shame 
If you're not here in Castlebar tonight, you have missed the miracle that we thought might happen. Kevin Walsh has delivered the result of results. And no matter what else happens from here on in, Welsh is the man. Look at what's happened down there. Porrick Joyce is the first man on the field to grab hold of Kevin Welsh and embrace his custodian, his teammate of 98 and 01. And I don't think that any of us coming down here today thought that we would see a pitch invasion from the men in maroon and white. Astonishing. Adrian, congratulations. This is absolutely one of the finest days that we can remember for Galway. Um, I know you came on to experience the last seven or eight minutes of that game, but what does it feel like now at the full-time whistle, and what's it been like down there amongst that sea of Galway support? Oh, it's, it's absolutely brilliant. Anyone that's here, they only have to look down at the pitch see what this means to Galway. It's been, what, eight, nine years since we bet Mayo. It's just, words can't describe now. It's brilliant to beat Mayo, but at the end of the day, we haven't won anything yet. It's important that we get that and we're going to enjoy it today, but... We have Ross Common in the Connacht final, and we're not going to take cry off that now. We're not happy we just beat Mayo, but no, it was a brilliant win. We always had the belief within the within the panel. I know there might have been a lack of belief outside the panel, but we always believed we could beat Mayo. We put in a lot of hard work, so we're just delighted with the result. Owen Curran from Anna Down. A couple of things turned things around. We felt Declan Coyne getting up front and personal with Keith Higgins down here seemed to rally the rest of you guys. Was that the case? Definitely. I suppose we've been watching Mayo playing in Crow Park for on the last five or six years and there's no fear as in underage we've been able to go toe to toe with them so what's the difference at senior level like we're, we don't fear any of them they're 15 humans we're 15 humans we can take anyone on any day Dermot Blake, formerly of Galway, you were at the game, you were on the sideline actually for Galway Bay FM. A couple of days later, how do you reflect on it? Yeah, it was, uh, it was an unbelievable uh, win really. I suppose if, if we're all truly honest with ourselves, we, we didn't see it coming. Um, you know, we thought that we'd go down and maybe put up a fight for 35-40 minutes. But, uh, you know, these Galway, they've shown huge hurt over the, you know, even in the league games, they've they got three draws out of nothing in the league games and you know, they really knuckle down and they're 11 weeks off. They had an 11-week break and, you know, you have to give huge credit to the management team for uh, preparing them so well. They, they really got their game plan uh, down to a tee and, uh, you know, pulled off a fantastic victory, a victory that Galway football really needed and uh, would give a bit of life back into Galway and a, a bit of interest. You know, down here, I suppose, it's been all connect for the last few uh, months, but uh, now all the all the, um, the it's all back on Galway now on the football team, so we're really excited with it. What people thought Kevin Walsh was making a mistake with, he actually, people thought Kevin Walsh was getting it wrong, putting in so many new guys, but actually that turned out to probably be a good thing. We heard Owen Kern say it there in that montage to Ollie Canning of Galway BFM that, you know, they had no fear, they believed in the system and they were very well drilled. Yeah, very well drilled. But, you know, I suppose in truth, a lot of some of these decisions might have been forced because there was a few injuries in the panel, and uh, you know I suppose the biggest the biggest one that I saw the biggest positive uh, gamble that 
Kevin Welsh took was the goalie burner power. Like this guy it was didn't even start for Carfin, his own club team, uh, a couple of weeks ago in, in the first round of the championship and he hasn't really played anthem for Carfin or for Galway and he was brought in a couple of weeks ago, well about four weeks ago and um he was just a revelation. I mean, Paul Conroy played the game of his life, but if you look at it, the, the trajectory of Burner Power's kickouts to Paul, it, it just worked so well, and he, he was very calm. And, you know, he, he was there behind the full back line, and they just looked very assured all day long. You know, it was fantastic to see. And it's great for Galway now going forward because, the, you know, we, we have found two good cornerbacks there, and uh, we seem to have a nice balance. Our, our midfield at very athletic, Paul Conroy and Tom Flynn were just were just phenomenal, but you know I have to go back to Paul Connery. You know, if, if people think back to this time last year, that you know he, he got a black card against Mayo. He was captain of Galway, and uh, you know he, he had a poor game of, of his standards. But you know he, he, I was just looking at the Sky Sports stats there. That, you know he got thirty one possessions, and uh, he kicked two absolute screamers and three assists. You know he he, he game with life, and just absolutely fantastic. Uh, delighted for him, as well as that Tom Flynn. You know, like Tom Flynn, the way he took that goal. You know, I was roaring on the sideline when he got that ball to Sol win and fist the ball over the bear. But he really went for the juggler. And I suppose that was the difference between having a moral victory and actually winning the game, you know, going for that goal and taking it. So, you know, these guys have no fear. They have won, they have won underage uh, before. And it'll be interesting to see how they get on against Roscommon because of, um, you know, they would have played against all these Roscommon has grown up so it's going to be intriguing battle down there but uh, yeah absolutely delighted with the way they all turned up Kevin Walsh planned it perfectly didn't he and it doesn't take anything away from him that things didn't go right for Mayo I mean let's be honest here it was a great win for Galway but it was a complete non-performance from Mayo yeah I, I suppose um, just looking at it the big thing after the game when I was coming away I just was so shocked at how poor Mayo were um, I, I just thought that that um, they played right into Galway's hands. You know, just just a few things that I noticed was um, the, the first thing was playing Keith Higgins up in the forwards. Uh, you know, I, I I just think it did not work. And I know from pre- previously play, playing myself, there's a huge difference between a back coming onto a ball at pace than if you're up in the forwards with your back towards goal and having to turn and take on a guy. And I just thought that. You know, Keith Higgins as a as a player is one of the best backs or guys coming onto the, the ball in the country, and he just didn't really do anything up front. And I thought that um, it was kind of strange that Kevin McLaughlin was was the guy that was playing as a sweeper. You would think that if if they were going to play a sweeper, that Keith Higgins would be the guy for that, and leave Kevin McLaughlin up front for more of a threat. And by by bring, by Mayo bringing back a. Um, a, a, a forward back in the backs. It left Galway with an extra man that could double up on Aidan O'Shea and Keelan O'Connor. And um, obviously, Stephen Rochford is trying to play um, a longer game ball. Uh, you know, just balls into the forwards into Aidan O'Shea, and it just didn't work for me. You know, Mayo are, are, are a counter-attacking team. They're very athletic backs, and um, you know they're great at attacking. And the long ball just didn't work. And Galway had had uh, Keelan O'Connor and Aidan O'Shea surrounded. And they just get, couldn't get any change. And, and their shot selection then was under huge pressure. Like Killian O'Connor's shot, he was kicking balls over his shoulder under pressure. And, you know, so, some of them would go over, but they're not presented shots. And uh, I, I was just very, very uh, disappointed with Mayo. And just another thing there I, I actually noticed was uh, uh, Rockford obviously uh, man-marked um, Shane Welsh. And Shane Welsh for Galway play, played in the full forward line. And Lee Keegan picked him up. So basically, 
Lee Keegan was in his own full backing for the whole game. Shane Welsh came out the field about 10 minutes uh, to go in the first half and Lee Keegan followed him. And that was the that, that was the main time that Mayo got on top. Uh, Lee Keegan got a point and he set up another score. Start of the second half, Shane Welsh went right back in and Lee Keegan was kind of out of the game for the rest of, for the rest of it. So if you look at uh, Mayo's break, uh, players, they're all stars, you could say. Lee Keegan, Aidan O'Shea, Killian O'Connor... T. Tiggins, you know, none of them really had the effect that yeah. people would, would, would think on the game. Yeah, it's and funny I you should mention it because Tomás O'Shea, writing in the Irish Independent today, says, when the pressure came on, where were the leaders? Killian O'Connor and Aidan O'Shea are fine footballers. When things are going well for them, but you'd have expected more from them on Saturday. He goes on to say, apart from Colin Boyle in particular and the half-back line in general, which of the Mayo players hurt Galway? They had one forward, they had one score from play. Uh, that's just not acceptable from a team talking about winning All-Irelands. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I just have to go back to the way that they tried to play. They were trying to play the longer ball. And maybe it, it was kind of reminiscent. Stephen Rochford was manager of Corfin for a few years. And it, he tried to play a longer ball, kind of a tra- traditional Galway type of game. But it just didn't suit them. And I thought that Aidan O'Shea was in the full forward line. And he was getting balls on a wet day with no one around him. And by uh, Kevin McLaughlin coming back, there was an extra guy there and Galway already had a guy, um, Johnny Heaney was sitting back in front of him so there was nearly two guys there around him and he just couldn't get into the game and as well as that from what you know, I, I found as well uh, playing myself when you were, um, if you were complacent going into a game it's awful hard to work your way into it <clears throat> and I just thought to me oh guys, they didn't really think that Galway were going to be uh, within touching distance with 10 minutes to go and they just didn't know how to react to it. What about Galway? How much should we read into this? Is it a case that we don't really know how much progress they've actually made and how big a win this is until after maybe the Connacht final? Because there is a danger that this result and this performance and this great night might be watered down if they don't beat Ross Common on July 10th at home in the Connacht final. Yeah, you're 100% right there. It's, it's hard to know um, where, where this Galway team are. I think Galway were fantastic, but I do think that Mayo... Uh, Mayo played into Goa's hands the way they set up so it, it'll be, it won't be until we play Roscom to see how we really are but in saying that though we, you know, we have found a lot of players there you know, our full backline was very strong um, Paul Connor and Tom Finn were fantastic uh, you know, in midfield and our forward line you know, if you, I remember saying before the game I was talking to Goa with him and I said that um, for Galway to win um, Shane Welsh is going to have to have a fantastic uh, game and, and Damien Comer up front. And of their standards, they were pretty quiet the last day. So that's a huge positive for Galway. You know, if we get more out of these two guys, you know, we could really push on. And you'd be hoping now that Galway could actually win a comic title because, you know, we barely need it. It's 2008 since we have lifted silverware down here. And, you know, the Southern guys, you know, have never even played in a comic final. So... You know, it's a huge opportunity for them and for the development of uh, Galway football down here, it's huge. And I, I know there's an awful lot of talk uh, about these 52 players that have turned it down, but, you know, in reality, you know, there might be 10, 9 or 10 guys that, that turned it down. A few of them went to America, but, you know, the, the, you know, the guys that are in there are more or less the, the best players in the county. So we just have to stick with them and hopefully develop them in, in the next few years. And this should be no surprise given the success that Galway have had at minor and under-21 level over the last couple of years. So it's not like they came from absolutely nowhere. It's just that senior grade Galway haven't had a spectacular year since, well, 2001, one might argue. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, all these guys, it's amazing. People kind of forget, but, you know, we've had huge under one success, but we haven't really carried that on at senior level. If you look at Tyrone, you know, look at what Tyrone have done with that under one team, the one that Ireland uh, was, was the last year. You know, they've really developed these guys. Ross Common have as well. You know, Galway, on the other hand, haven't really developed these guys, but it seems like now they're coming together. You know, they, like, there's no doubt about it. And I know people are, you know, a lot of people to be given out about the, the talent in Galway, but there's talent in Galway. It's just about getting guys to perform on the day. And I think, you know, you have to give huge credit to Kevin Welch. Like, the older guys really gave the platform for the younger guys to uh, to perform. You know, Paul, like, I have to keep going back to Paul Connery. He's got... So much abuse, and a lot of them players, Gary O'Donnell, Garrett Bradshaw, you know, these guys have got a lot of abuse down here in Galway about not performing on the big day. And, you know, it's great to see them getting the reward for it. Now, hopefully, they can go on and seal the deal and, uh, you know, win, win a kind of title and maybe push on and get a good showing in Cool Park. But, you know, it's vital that Galway do that. Like, I mean, the, the, the talent that we have here at Underage is just we're underachieving, really. So, hopefully, we can push on. Dermot, before I let you go, um, is it too early to ask you for a prediction or should I let you enjoy the, the next couple of days and the, the afterglow of beating Mayo? Um, well, look, as I suppose, uh, as a Galway man, you'd have to hope that Galway would win it. But I, I really do think that Galway have a, have a huge chance. Like, any time at underage level that we've played Roscommon, there's been ding-dong battles every year. And, you know, a lot of the time when Roscommon has been favourites, we've turned them over. The last time we won an under won All-Ireland, we bet... Uh, Roscommon in a kind of final in extra time so you know these guys will have no fear on um, Roscommon and I think how we will win the game against Roscommon is our midfield pairing of Tom Flynn and Paul Conroy if Roscommon have a weakness I think it's their midfield I I think they have young guys uh, playing playing in the middle there and I think we'll have more experience and more guile out there so I think that that will probably sway towards Galway, but it could be very tight if you just remember back to 1998 when Galway won the All-Ireland. It took them, uh, it, the first game was a draw and the second game was, was extra time before Galway got over them. So it will be really tight, but uh, hopefully Galway can, can pivot. it. Dermot Blake, former Galway footballer and a member of the Galway Bay FM commentary team on Saturday night for a, a massive occasion. Thank you very much for joining us on the Rewind podcast here on News Talk. Thanks, Hurling shortly, but first, Tyrone and Cavan must meet again in their Ulster semi-final on July 3rd. That follows their draw in Clonus on Sunday. Tyrone, 16 points. Cavan, 3-7, the final score. The replay, by the way, will be live on Off The Ball. Now, speaking of Off The Ball, commentator Dave McIntyre spoke to both managers after a fairly dramatic encounter. We started with Tyrone boss, Mickey Hart. Mickey, I, I'd imagine it's probably an understatement to say that you and your players feel you left that behind you. Well, we did in a way, yes, we left it behind us, but any game that's a draw game and that there's as many scores as that in it, you know, you have to be happy that you didn't lose the game because early on we were in the back foot, they got a wonderful start, they were playing with a lot of composure and a lot of comfort, if you like, on the ball and we had to claw our way back into the game. We got back in just before half-time and then another sucker punch with that goal, so that left us a bit of another, sort of disappointed that we got ourselves back into a decent position and suddenly we were behind again. So, I'd say it was one of those games where, yes, we'd, you'd be disappointed that he didn't maybe clinch it at the end. We had a chance of a goal close to the end that the goalie made a good save. So, there were a few times when we could have maybe finished the game out. But at the end of that, the day, so to speak, when you're playing in a game as close as that, 
you always be happy to get a second chance. When it comes to looking at the positives, I think you created nearly 35 scoring opportunities, which is quite something in conditions such as that. I mean, at least you're probably thinking, are you? Well, better to be creating them than not be creating them at all. And without a doubt, I would always advocate that the worst thing you can be is not creating because you you know you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take. So you know we need, we need to be taking shots, and you know that's that's it. If you're not taking shots, you're not going to hurt anybody. If you're not creating chances, then you're not going to get many scores on the board. So you know we, we were happy enough, not happy to be putting as many of them wayward as we as we had did, but at the same time creating them is always good. Back post! Oh, it's a goal! It's a goal for Cavan! Cavan have got their third goal of this game, and we're leveling slowness. 3-7 to 16 points and there is the full time whistle it's finished level Tyrone 16 points Cavan 3-7 that last gas goal from David Givney has seen a drawn game in the Ulster semi-final Terry Ed did your player get out of jail free car there? Yeah but look it was, we had to push to get the score in the end it wasn't a case of you know what I mean we were pressing and okay we were probably fortuitous to get a goal it's not always you get a goal at that time when you want it but we were just it, it worked out for us but the lads in fairness hadn't uh, given up the goals at that stage A really good start and your own one to now score and certainly dominating at that stage but it kind of got away from you just wondering um, David Givney inside it's such a big game for you got the two goals but were you utilising him as best you could he seemed isolated an awful lot of the time yeah, well, I was asked that question earlier on. He probably was isolated to the point is, but then, you know, the way to run, run at you, you have to get bodies back. So, in the end of the day, you're going to have to, to vacate the area to get bodies back to make sure that your defence is going to set up. And, you know, when you counter, then there was perhaps times he was isolated, we didn't get up to support him quick enough. But, um, so it's sort of Robin Peter to pay Paul almost you can't have the, the guys all over the place well you can't do that and you know what I mean in the end of the day if he's holding, holding a second fellow up you would think our owner should do a little more with the ball mm-hmm. did you try and change that a little in the second half because I know you Killing Clark at one stage just trying to get close to him and then when you brought Eugene in you had him al- alongside him was that something you were conscious of yeah, we felt we, at that stage we probably needed to make a little bit more ball winners on, on, on the park and you know lads with legs were starting to get tired at that stage and we needed to be in French legs so it was a kind of case we were kind of looking for more t- kind of target men that we could you know maybe not just go with the big bomb that we could pull the game a little bit shorter which would pull Tyrone out a little bit and possibly that's maybe why we got the goal in the end because they had covered the shorter run and then we got a little bit up on them on the, on the inside line Terry Highland the Cavan manager there now if Cavan lose out to Tyrone they will play Carlo in round two of the qualifiers the draw made Monday morning Dublin or Meath who meet next Sunday will take on Derry who overcame loud at the weekend Clare will play Leash McLillis a Clare man in charge of Leash and Sligo will face Leitrim. The times, dates and venues as we record are yet to be confirmed by the CCCC but keep an eye on newstalk.com forward slash sport for detail. All of the games will take place on the weekend of July 2nd and 3rd except the game involving Carlo, Cavan or Tyrone. Obviously that will probably take place the week after because the weekend of the 2nd and 3rd of July is when the replay of Cavan and Tyrone takes place. As I say, that match live on Off The Ball. Hurling now with former All-Ireland winner and All-Star with Wexford, Ursula Jacob. Ursula, before we get to you, let's hear from Limerick manager TJ Ryan and tip boss Michael Ryan after the Premier beat Limerick 3-12 to 1-16 in the Munster semi-final on a rainy day in Thurless. The win, by the way, coming despite the fact that tip were reduced to 14 men in the 14th minute after John O'Dwyer struck out at Richie English. I would absolutely acknowledge that the work rate and attitude was super. We were all of the time waiting for more bodies to tire, you know, but they, they you know, I think they found more energy within themselves. They were, I, I just thought they were outstanding. TJ Ryan, Limerick manager, it's, it's easy to say it didn't quite happen for your team today. Maybe it's harder to explain why. Yeah, like, you can see three goals in the first half of any game, it's difficult to win. Um, 
I know, I know, I know they had um, you know, I mean, and, and it's a, a man down, but just very disappointing. I thought the second half going out that we were in a good position, that we need to get a couple of scores, we need to put them under pressure, and um, when that didn't happen, I suppose I mean, they, like they, they kind of dictated the terms of the second half, and you know, we played in their terms in the second half, and we just we, we didn't look like scoring that goal earlier, like. A former All-Ireland winner with Wexford, Ursula Jacob, back with us on the Rewind here on News Talk. Ursula, that was some performance by Tipperary at times. It looked like they had 15 and Limerick had 14. Now, when I put that to Michael Ryan, the Tipperary manager, he kind of shrugged it off. But he must have been thinking inside, yeah, you're right. Yeah, definitely. Like, look, at, I suppose, the um, you know, after 14 minutes when, when Bubbles got sent off, I suppose maybe there would have been alarm bells ringing that, you know, what, what, was, what we were... Hip going to react how were Limerick going to you know utilize the extra man and to be honest it looked like that Tip you know had the guy who had the extra player and you know um, I think it nearly created more space in the Tip forwards and you know midfield area for Tip because they seemed to be able to roam around and move around but Limerick didn't you know use their spare man you know to to their you know their, to the best of their ability and at times you know Gavin O'Mahony nearly seemed to be in no man's land he was nearly sitting back so far I, I think nearly to you know to cover the full back line that he wasn't maybe you know um, having the same presence as he would would have maybe if he was actually marking a player and I don't think uh, you know Limerick really utilised that extra man to their to their full ability like you know they they played the game. Uh, for three quarters of the game with an extra man but it definitely didn't show it out there yesterday How did Tipperary make it look like they had the extra guy? They always had someone on the ball they always had someone running onto the ball they took all the right options How did that manifest itself out on the pitch? Well I think definitely you know when, when Bubbles got sent off I think you, you could see the leadership and the experience of the, the tip the, the tip players around them like you know the likes of the Mars and the half-back line and Brendan Mar midfield and that you know they really you know took the game to Limerick and I think you know their approach was you know uh, to you know just take the game to Limerick and I think their work rate yesterday you know maybe you know in the conditions it was very you know tough to see but the work rate of some of the tip forwards um, and, and the midfielders like Michael Breen and that you know really showed yesterday and I just think Limerick weren't able to, ho- uh, to cope with it and I think uh, that was definitely one of the key, key factors and also as I said, the movement that and the space that that Tip created, and I think they used the ball a lot better than Limerick yesterday. You know, as I said, you know Limerick were the guy, were the team with the with the extra man, but they were they were hitting balls up into the forwards at times, and you know they weren't looking up and and using the ball to the to, the, to their own advantage. And I think they they played into Tip's hands uh, a little bit too much. And Tip's work rate was summed up by Michael Breen's two goals. I mean, both of them mightn't have happened, but he actually followed in. Even after he hit the bad pass, he followed in. The ball came to him, he swept it in. For his second goal, Callan took a shot, it was saved by the keeper, but he followed in. And if you do that, you give yourself a chance of getting scores, and that's what they did. Yeah, both Michael Breen's goals were real opportunist goals. You know, you, you think he was a, an instinctive, you know, full forward or a corner forward, the way he, he came in so quickly. And you could see yesterday on the telly, they, they actually went back on it. You could see the movement of Michael Breen moving in and, you know, uh, going in and attacking the ball. And I think that was, you know, Tip's approach to the game yesterday. You know, their their uh, approach and attitude to the game was, you know, attack, attack and the goals really, you know, killed off Limerick in the first half in particular. And I think probably the scoreline probably flatters Limerick a little bit, you know, because it seemed to be a lot more uh, between the two sides than, than the three points at the end. And, you know, Michael Breen's two goals in particular in the first half definitely, you know, uh, you know, set the platform for Tip and, 
you know, when 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 bubbles got sent off, you know, the, the goals gave them that added, you know, added bonus, you know, at that stage because you know we would have assumed that Tip were going to maybe struggle because they had one less player on the field. Is it a case that Tip might have struggled last year and the year before, and Michael Ryan just has added something, and the players themselves seem to be leading as well? I mean, Michael said that at halftime he actually was nearly surplus to requirements. He, he just kind of stepped aside and let the players take it on. And that's what they did. And in the second half, they powered on. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with that, that the players, you know, you could see it by watching the game yesterday, that the, uh, the players seemed to respond to the sending off themselves. They weren't waiting for instruction from the line and they weren't waiting to see what happened. It, it nearly, they nearly knew what to, to do themselves without having to listen to Michael Ryan or wait for half time to come to set up, they they seem to instinctively just set up themselves and get themselves in a, in a relatively good position. And I think, as I said, like the experience that, that uh, of some of their main players yesterday, you know, it was great to see Bonner Mar back yesterday, and you know, even in the in the backs, you know, you had Cottle Barrett and James Barry in the full back line. You know, they were they weren't giving their players a, a you know a ball and. You know, uh, they Limerick maybe they're inexperienced, and maybe some of the newer guys, you know, that you know were under twenty one players last year, maybe they struggled a little bit with the intensity and the physicality of Tip yesterday, and maybe you know that was maybe that played a part you know, in Limerick's performance yesterday too. And um, just before we move on from Tipperary, I want to ask you two questions. The first of which is about Tip and what they've learned from games that they've lost in heartbreaking, heartbreaking circumstances in the last couple of years, you think of the match against Galway last year in the All-Ireland semi-final and some of those big games against Kilkenny over the years. Does it look like they're kind of reacting to that? Does it look like they've learned from those defeats? Well, I, you know, I, I think, you know, they've definitely taken positive steps and, you know, they're after coming through two games now, uh, you know, against Cork and Limerick and, you know, they'll have learned a lot even from both games um, and, you know, in particular, they're after getting two relatively good games going into the Munster final against Walford and, you know, those defeats, you know, like the, the Galway game last year, you know, they do stick in the back of your mind when, you know, you're doing the hard slog of training and you're coming into championship this year. You're going to remember those feats and defeats and they're going to still be hurting from them as well because they know maybe they, they lost an opportunity of getting into a, an All-Ireland last year. So, you know, they're going to be all guns blazing and, and they're going to be looking to retain their, their Munster title again this year. And they'll be happy enough now, you know, going into the Munster final. But obviously, you know, Bubbles uh, sending off yesterday, you know, he's a massive player for, those, for a tip. And, you know, he's going to be a massive loss to, to tip in the final. And, you know, I'm sure, you know, he's not just going to be as easy as to replace, you know, as maybe another player. And, you know, they're going to have to be looking at their bench. But, you know, tip have a strong panel too. I put it to Michael Ryan after the game yesterday that being down to 14 men was actually very good practice, especially for the forwards. Because against Waterford, they will be swamped because Waterford do have, you know, a lot of numbers in defence. Now, he wouldn't really get into it, but... Someone said to me afterwards, actually, that's a very accurate point. So it is going to be a clash of styles between Tip and Waterford in this Munster final. It's going to be interesting. Oh, definitely. You know, Waterford, uh, you know, as we've seen, you know, they're, they're very t- uh, good at keeping things tight at defence. And then you've got the t- contrast in the Tip forwards where they like to, you know, create the space and they like lots of movement. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how both teams set up and, you know, how the, the tactics of both management team goes into that final. And look, Watford are going to have learned from last year too, going into that final, because, you know, they, they probably didn't perform to their full ability in, in last year's Munster final and they'll be looking to, 
uh, make amends for that. And, you know, Tip, as I said, are going to be really pushing forward now and are going to be going in with good confidence as well because, as I said, they, they've, you know, they're after getting good, two good wins going against Cork and Limerick and, um, but they know they're going to be really up against a formidable team like Watford too. So I, I expect there's not going to be very much between the two sides. And we'll get into that over the next couple of weeks. I want to talk to you about Limerick. They're now going the backdoor route and they've been drawn away to Westmeath. Is it is it good to get a winnable tie like that when you take a knock, a knock like Limerick did yesterday? Yeah, look, if, you know, obviously, you know, they'll probably be, be going in as favourites against Westmead, but, you know, they, they won't be able to take Westmead for granted either. You know, as we've seen, Westmead are on a, a bit of a high at the moment too. You know, they've had some good wins this year in the seniors and, you know, against Limerick, um, are uh, in the under-21 as well, you know, uh, beating Kilkenny. So, you know, Westmead are going to be relative, relatively happy too. You know, it's a home draw. You know, you could get sticky conditions again like yesterday but you know Limerick will, will probably be happy enough and you know they'll try to regroup now in the next week or two and, and, and get things moving you know for that game now and you know hopefully get through it um, and then push on for the next game after that but um, you know Westmead still you know are, are an improving side too and you know they, they'll they look forward to any team coming to you know Westmead Your own county have got awfully that's actually not a bad draw for both they'll both see it as very winnable yeah, exactly. I, I think, you know, uh, over the years, uh, you know, there's, there's been very close contests between Wexford and Offaly. And, you know, the thing is, there's never been very much between either side. You know, Wexford probably are struggling a little bit this year with, with injuries and they've been very unfortunate, you know. Uh, you know, they were without some key players against Dublin. And, you know, Offaly yesterday, you know, were, I know fair enough, Galway beaten by 10 points. But, you know, both sides now will... will We'll see that they have a chance of winning this game, and you know, Offaly won't fear playing Wexford, and he'll be the same. Uh, Wexford, you know, will will look forward to the challenge, but both will know that they'll have to perform, you know, um, very highly to to get through it. And I expect a very very close contest between both sides, and it'll be an in- interesting one to see how it goes. Tie of the round is Cork against Dublin. Cork at home for that one. Yes, uh, definitely. You know, I suppose both both teams, Cork and Dublin, had you know disappointing games against you know Kilkenny and, and Tip respectively, and you know they'll they'll both see this as a a chance to make amends and you know really you know Cork against Tip were, were very disappointing and uh, you know and the same at Dublin they were very deflated in the second half and you know they'll they'll, they'll see this game as a, a, a as a great opportunity to you know get back on the on the road and push on again and you know it'll be interesting to see you know Jar Cunningham against his own county and you know he'll know Cork you know pretty pretty inside out mm. too you know so uh, you know home advantage should stand to Cork and you know. It, it'll be a tough one for Dublin to, to go down uh, to Cork and try beat him, but it definitely is a, a very interesting interesting uh, clash between the two. And you know, it'll, you know, this one of those teams will be out, you know, the, uh, out of the championship quite early. So you know, they'll really be, be going at it hard to, to see who can win it. Yeah, and Clare taking on Leash, you would expect Clare to do the business there against uh, Leash. Just before I let you go, Ursula, it must have been a strange weekend for you. The first uh, time for quite some time that Wexford were involved in a championship game in Camogie and uh, you weren't. Was it strange? Was it hard to watch? Um, yeah, well, look, what I was in watching the, the Wexford Limerick game and it, it was now, you know, a few people had, had came up to me prior to the game and were asking, you know, how was I feeling? And it was a strange week, you know, even leading up to it that, you know, I wasn't getting ready for the game. But look, the girls had a great win and, you know, they really pushed on in, in the first half in particular and, you know, they've lots of improvement as well, but... They, they got they got the first win out of the group, so they'll be happy enough. But 
definitely it, it was uh, it was strange watching them play, but no, I was delighted and I was there supporting them. So hopefully their their, their winning streak will continue. I appreciate this is a bit hypocritical of me considering I'm the one who asked you the question but is that the hardest part people asking you is it hard seeing this is it hard to not be part of it? <laughs> well I suppose look it's a natural response from people you know when when they see me at the game you know they're more used to seeing me on the field so yeah. I, I suppose the novelty of it will probably wear off pretty quick and I, I suppose since it was the first game and you know I, I wasn't playing uh, you know it's only natural maybe that yeah. they, they were asking so look I didn't mind but um, you know, hopefully the next game there, there won't be as many people asking. But no, look, they mean well, and you know they're only there supporting Wexford, and you know they understand that maybe it, it was a big deal for me, you know, watching it rather than playing. But look, yeah. as long as Wexford were winning, I was happy enough anyway. Which they did. They beat Limerick and Cork. Opened up with the win against Waterford at the Camogie Championship system. It has only started this weekend, as in the the Championship 2016 has started this weekend. Um, it's actually a really good system, isn't it? Two groups. And the top two get out, and there's then room for for uh, the third place teams to go into the quarterfinals. It it's really the way forward for hurling as well, isn't it? Definitely, it's so competitive, and you know you're getting games week in week out. You know you've got five in each group, and you get four games in the space of a month. So everyone's guaranteed at least four games, and you know I suppose the added bonus is to try top the group where you'll go straight into a semi final, and then the second and third place teams you know make the quarterfinals. So it's really a great way of getting people getting games for for all the teams but also they're very competitive because everyone's fighting for that top spot and it, it'll be the same this year you know there, there'll be very little between the top you know four or five teams so um and you never know what could happen in the quarterfinal draw so that's no one wants to be left in that position um so everyone will be really you know trying to top the group so it should be uh, a few interesting weeks ahead but definitely it, it, it's a consideration maybe for the the hurling yeah side of things because the games are so competitive Has it brought on the weaker teams I mean ye benefited from this system you won your All-Ireland in 2008 and have won a, a, a few since do you think that that would have been possible had this system not been in place um, I definitely agree that it has brought on some of the so-called weaker counties. Now, I wouldn't really call them weaker, but yeah. it has brought on the likes of the, the Tips and Limericks and Offaly, you know, and Clare in the Camogie. Because, you know, as I said, it gives everyone the extra games. It doesn't, you know, you're not knocked out if you lose one game or, you, you know, yeah. you, you get the opportunity to build, you know, get good momentum. I think that's the most important thing. And, you know, from experience with, with us winning, it was definitely the momentum of winning the games and getting to play competitive, competitively uh, week in, week out brought us on as a team because, you know, you're not just um, restricted in uh, playing one game and not playing another game for five or six weeks. It's what you want to do. It's what any inter-county player wants to do, get to play matches week in, week out on a competitive stage. And definitely it brings on any team because, as I said, the momentum is with you if you're winning. Obviously, it's a little bit trickier if you, you know, get an injury or or a sending off or whatever. You're probably going to miss games, but you know you have to take that chance too. But um, definitely, I think it's a positive move having having games, you know, week in week out. Ursula Jacob, as always, thank you very much for joining us on the rewind here on News Talk. No bother. Well, that's it for this week. We've got Westmead against Kildare live on Off the Ball this Sunday. And remember, the best build-up and analysis to Ireland against Italy at Euro 2016 this Wednesday can be found here. Off the Ball coming to you from France as long as Ireland are involved in the tournament. Let's hope our involvement lasts another couple of weeks. Best of luck to the boys in green on Wednesday. We need a miracle, but you know what? This is sport 
and miracles happen. Take care. Good luck.